Hello, hello, and welcome back to Trying to Figure It Out. I am Allie, and here on Trying to Figure It Out, we do exactly that. We try to figure everything out from navigating your life in your 20s or your 30s. We really talk about everything here from mental health to family dynamics, relationships, sexuality, body positivity, so much more. And this week, we have a very special guest who I'm so excited to speak with today. Paul Johansson is joining us. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for having me. So for I'm those trying to you, figure it out as we sit here. Aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you who know me, I am absolutely obsessed with the show One Tree Hill. Paul Johansson is most known for his role as Dan Scott on One Tree Hill, which is a very iconic character in my opinion. I, just to give you some context, grew up watching One Tree Hill and I watched it when the show first came out. And then as I got older and started to understand what it was to struggle with my mental health or go through breakups and relationship issues, friendship issues. Every time I was going through something hard in my life, One Tree Hill would just be the first thing I went back to and I would start watching it again. It just is one of those shows that mentally always brought me back and made me feel grounded. Now, when I watch TV, there's so many great shows and mm -hmm. so many amazing things happening. The writing is superb it, nowadays, but yeah. It's, it's amazing, and the technology is amazing. Yeah. We're in a totally different time, but for me, the fact that I go back to watch a show from the early 2000s right, of course. says that does it all. Yeah. It just says it all. Well, it again, says, you know, the, 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 the Romeo and Juliet thing of this with, with Chad mm -hmm. and Hillary, you know, uh, you know the, and the opposite of the tracks with the two brothers, the yeah. Capulets and the Montagues, all of that thematically plays through Shakespearean tragedy to yeah. me. When I was auditioning for the show, the first thing I thought was a patriarchal character like mine mm -hmm. comes in and, um, you know, um, sets kind of like a bar Right. For everybody, there's us and there's them. Mm -hmm. So when I played those roles, I played it Shakespearean in, right. in the mind that, you know, I have two sons and one is a Montague, one's a Capulet. That's right. the way I played it out. That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah. I know I had a lot of secrets for this character. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, yeah. it's, I want to get a lot more into the character <laughs> okay. as well, but yeah. I kind of just want to talk about, first off, before you made it to Hollywood, you were traveling around the world with the Canadian national basketball team. I was. You are literally like a real life Troy Bolton, which I don't, you know what <laughs> Troy course, Bolton is. Course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how did you make the transition from basketball to acting? It was um, a very, well, you know, I guess um, my girlfriend's here so I can tell this story. Um, I broke up with somebody and um, I was um, going to the Olympics with mm -hmm. the Canadian team, 19... In Korea, you have to look it up for yourselves. Uh, I don't want to date myself too much, but back when balls were square, very hard to bounce. It was a different different time. Um, but I was getting ready for the Olympics, and um, I had a very bad breakup. You know, I'm an emotional person. If anybody mm -hmm. hasn't seen my work, um, I have very little uh, hiding of, of 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 my my inner self in my work, so it's pretty uh, apparent. But I. Uh, wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life. I had an offer to go play professional basketball in Sweden. I had another offer in Korea. And I was thinking about playing in those elite leagues there and, you know, continuing my basketball career and maybe mm -hmm. going on with the Olympics. Uh, but what happened was formative. I was in Vancouver and there were some um, improvisational acting classes. And I'd done a couple of commercials just for fun to make a little money as a broke college student sleeping on floors and what have you. Mm -hmm. And um, one guy in Hollywood saw me and he really liked what he saw and called me up. And I was like, what is this, a joke? Like, are you kidding me? So it was kind of old school. Uh, he invited yeah. me down to Hollywood and I took the opportunity and flew down. He put me in a hotel. He got me 
high level acting classes, got me in theater, started me doing theater right away, wanted me to do 99 seat equity waiver theater. Um, he he had uh, private vocal lessons to get rid of my Canadian accent, eh? <laughs> um, he uh, made me stop playing hockey, eh? Uh, no, he, he got me into like all of these movement classes, singing classes, dancing classes, all the things you need to do. And he sort of gave me a full, you know, burst into the entertainment industry. And he got me an agent. He just took me an agency, says you're representing him. And they were like, oh, you got it. Because this guy had done this before and right. been very successfully. And so I was sort of one of those very few super lucky people who, and the truth is on my side of it was, I didn't really care. Yeah. I was kind of like, yeah, I'll do this acting thing. I mean, sure, <laughs> sounds easy. How much does it pay? And I didn't take it that seriously at first because I wanted to play basketball still, but I was just thinking, well, if this is fun, let me try this for a while. But I, I fell in love with it. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with the lifestyle. I fell in love with the, the, the dedication it takes to be really good. And I took the basketball discipline that I'd taken with the Olympic program and the national team program and my college program, and I applied it to acting which is, you know, um, denying yourself things, deferred gratification, things like, you know, all your friends are going out this weekend, but I've got to go do a play. Right. Well, I wanted to go do the play. I didn't care about going out that weekend. Whenever I was involved in something, it became everything to me. And I wanted to be good when you step on the stage or when you step in front of the camera. I wanted to make sure that I was never the problem. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be the solution to the director's problem, which is this character I don't have to worry about. He's great. I have to focus on these guys. Right. I always thought like that as a basketball player, and I wanted to be that as an actor. That's amazing. It's kind of crazy because, like, the role that you played in One Tree Hill, it sounds like you're a combination of Dan and Nathan in <laughs> yeah, one. Because yeah. Nathan is well, very much... Well, they knew much... me. Brian Robbins and, um, and, and Mike, um, they knew me, the, the, the executive producers, from the Entertainment Basketball League. When I came in, they were like, don't do anything. Just be you. I'm like, what's yeah. that supposed to mean? They're like, perfect. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just, it really was a really good fit. You yeah. know, it was, it was a hand in glove moment for me. Tell me how you were casted on One Tree Hill from that point. Well, um, it was an audition process and I had to go from network to studio, from casting director, network to studio. So I went through the normal process of everybody else. But I think that they did know who I was from, you know, I, before I'd done this part, I had done maybe 20 or 25 big basketball commercials. Mm -hmm. I did commercials with Magic Johnson, just Magic and I and a buddy of mine. Did some with Tim Hardaway. Spike Lee hired me for his, for his like, you know, uh, Nike commercials. So I'd done a lot of, so people kind of knew I was like, you know, the, you know, the white basketball player <laughs> and all these things. And so uh, I think that there might've been a little bit of an understanding that I was able to really understand the game and play the game. Sometimes when I would, audition I think I remember early on in the auditions I made it really clear that my goal was to make whoever I was reading with really uncomfortable is it working it's working yeah. Yeah. and so I'm like yeah, yeah. well that, and my goal is like how uncomfortable can I make that person and that was right. kind of part of the work that I was doing for that character because right. to get somebody to do what you want you got to make them not feel strong and that's what Dan yeah. does all the time. Mm -hmm. You undercut, you undercut, you undercut, and then you get what you want. And so I thought that, that would be a great way in the audition to start pushing that character. Right. So when you auditioned, you knew that you were auditioning for the role of Dan Scott. That was Well, like I didn't want the part. I wanted Keith. Really? When I read the script, I asked them if I could audition for Keith. And, the, and I think one of the producers came out and said, you don't want to play Keith. You want to play Dan. I said, why? He said, trust me. This character is the character that's for you. 
Right. You don't want to play Keith. I was like, yeah, but he's so cool. He's way the peaceful <laughs> warrior. He's Dan Millman. He's, you know, Joseph Campbell all wrapped up in one, right? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, but you want this character. Mm -hmm. So they kind of talked me out of it, but I really did want to play Keith. Yeah. It's so funny because my listeners who are loyal and have been here along the ride know that we had Craig Sheffer on before and Craig is the one who played Keith and you guys are good He buddies. killed it. He, he was a way better Keith than I could have I been. mean, you guys both absolutely But he did play Dan Scott right one day. Role. Did he tell you? He did tell me that. Yeah, he yeah, did yeah. tell me that. I was so sick. I was coughing up parts of body parts out of my lungs. Finally, they sent me to the hospital in an ambulance, right? Because I had like double lobular pneumonia. Both my lungs right. had pneumonia in them. And Craig played me for the rest of the whole day playing How my did that character. Work? Well, he would just go sit in my chair and do my lines for me and they right. would just shoot over his shoulder. You know uh, what I mean? Is that the episode where you guys were sitting in the <laughs> dining room at the yeah. dinner table? Yeah, the big dinner, yeah. The first season, Craig played right? Dan Scott that day for that everybody. Is yeah. I, I would that. love to see how he made fun of me because I know he made fun of me for <laughs> sure. But you guys but Can had, I tell you what he did after that? I would love to know. Two days later, I kind of was feeling a lot better. I was in the hospital and he came and he brought like a bunch of magazines and he sat with me like for like the whole day because I was all alone in the hospital. And he came and he sat with me and just didn't really talk. We just hung out. Mm -hmm. Then when they were sending me home, he moved in with me. He drove me home. He went shopping. He brought a bunch of food. Like we're friends, but I didn't know we we're that good of friends till then. Then right. I wanted to be his best friend. <laughs> he came and he cooked for me. He came in and we'd watch movies together while I was sick. The next couple of days, Craig came, moved in with me and took care of me while I was sick. That's and I was amazing. just, I, I mean, I had tears in my eyes just going, I love you. You're just such a great person. Yeah. And he was just like, I would do this. Of course, you do this for me. I was like, yeah, I would. Yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> no, but it's it, like it when you're that surprised someone <laughs> yeah. does something for you, it kind of shows you're like, damn, I wouldn't have Yeah, done I'm that. terrible. I, huh? I hate that. myself. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, he came in and had just such a special energy to him. And the same goes for you. Oh, thank when you. I first spoke to you, you called me. I was like, obviously so oh, excited. And sweet. I was like, this is the craziest random phone call oh, to receive. Okay. And I was so excited. And then we started talking and, you know, going over the possibility of you coming on, trying to figure it out. And you even said to me, you're like, so am I nicer than you thought I would be? Like, am yeah. I as mean as I was on the show? And yeah. I was like, I mean, both of you, it's it shows your talent and your well, skills Well, that's very too, nice of you well. to say. I mean, not everybody understands when you're playing a character like this. Um, I did once, you know who Larry Hagman is? Do you ever see J.R. Ewing? Remember Dallas back in the day? It was one of the biggest shows of all time. Larry Hagman played J.R. Ewing on Dallas. And he was the biggest evil guy in television at the time. And I ran into him once while I was playing this character at a, one of these events. And he said, I talked to him. I said, you know, I'm doing this kind of a role. And do you have any advice? And blah, blah. And he said, he said, cherish it. He said, no one remembers the good guys. <laughs> I thought it was a great thing. It's like, mean, oh, okay. I mean, you are literally known as one of TV's most iconic oh. villains, but also yeah. like the character arc. I say this about a lot of characters on One yeah. Tree Hill, but the arc of Dan Scott is one of the most crazy roller coasters I've mm -hmm. ever seen. The thing that's crazy is no matter how much people would, you know, dislike you as a character, mm -hmm. or, you know, be angry Spoiler or frustrated. Alerts, right? Yeah, sorry, everyone. But that being said, when you know the season finale yeah. or the show finale yeah. i every time i watch it i'll tear up or cry and get emotional well, so did i because you know the writers felt that this character needed his own ending yeah so they didn't put me in the final episode they killed me off in the penultimate episode and by doing so they gave me the episode to sort of wrap up all of the stuff that the audience needed. You're right. That was like your episode. That was my episode. And so what I loved about it and what I hated about it 
was that while my character was in that deathbed, when I'm having that conversation with my son and really trying to sort of have, I need his forgiveness. Mm -hmm. I need it. I'm not leaving with, I'm not going to die until I get his forgiveness. And he does. He plays one-on-one with me and we, you know, and and, um, James was spectacular in that, in that performance. Yeah. But when we shot that, the scene where I was dying, my mother died in real life while I was shooting that scene at the same time. Really? In real life. Yeah. And so they dedicated the episode to my mom. I remember at the end, there's a name. I didn't know that. Yeah. Joanne Johansson. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? So there was crazy symbiosis going on there. And it was, so it was very, it was big for me too. Yeah. Yeah. And extremely emotional. I'm sure. That's crazy. I didn't know that. That's okay. Learning so much. That's okay. (laughs) So back to a little bit more context on the show. One Tree Hill obviously had immediate success. Mm-hmm. What was it like being a part of such a successful show for such a It was a, a slow time? burn. What do you mean immediate? We were a slow burn. Third season, we kind of got a really? little... Really? Yeah. Season four yeah. is my absolute favorite season. We were told season. every year we were getting canceled. Really? But we think we were being told we were getting canceled, so we wouldn't renegotiate. <laughs> So we don't That's really know crazy. because we weren't told the numbers. We weren't shown, you know, so we don't know. So you really didn't know. Nobody really knew. Yeah. Season it's four crazy. was a good season. No, season, season four, four was when. I mean, that's when you killed your brother. That was a very complicated episode. They weren't even sure they were going to air it. That episode saved the series. It brought so much controversy and attention to our series, to our, our show, mm-hmm. that we were renewed because people were just like, what the hell? Uh, yeah. They put that on TV. It a was school crazy. shooting. A school shooting. Which is to is... me like, you know, I, 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 you know, I'm the type of person that hears these things and, and really wants to throw up. And I'm yeah. heartbroken constantly about, you know, our, our violence in this country, um, particularly involved with anything to do with children. And here we are you know, sort of, but how do we handle it? That was, everybody's like, how are we going to handle this? We didn't just go blindly into that episode thinking we'll just trust. We, we need to know, right. you know, this has to be catastrophic. This has to be talked about. We have to talk about safety. We have to talk about mental health. We have to talk about all these things. We insisted on that. And they were very good at making sure that it was all covered Yeah, because it had to be. So when you found out that it was going to be your character mm-hmm. who was going to be shooting your brother i was not happy about it at all what yeah i was what is yeah, i read it and the first my first reaction was i'm not doing this uh, my second reaction was um i called my agent my manager the right in, advice that i got was you have to have a more protracted conversation with your showrunner and and your writers which i did which reassured me that it would be handled in the way that it was but most importantly i called craig because i did not want him to not be on the show anymore mm-hmm. i Loved him, as I told you, as a, as a brother, and I needed him there. Um, my character was complicated and lonely, and I was sort of um, excommunicated from the younger group in many ways because of the the uh, the complexities that my character has to have and that type of power that I have over those characters. Um, so I kind of had my own space, but Craig was my solace in that. He was kind and understanding and was a very accomplished, sophisticated artist in his own right with great success who could walk me through those difficult, you know, lonely feelings of being, you know, this one patriarchal character that is exercising his power over the younger group. So I needed him and I was heartbroken that he, he was going to leave. Yeah. And I didn't understand why. I thought that isn't the, 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 the killing of that boy enough? Yeah. Do you need to do this? And do we need to lose this character? And there was an understanding that they knew that the impact would be big enough that it would save the show. Do you and think it was that intentional, though? Like, I do. Do you think that like, I do. it was a way to get 
Craig off the show. No, no, I don't think it was particularly it was to make the impact that it did. I think it was about the impact. Okay. I don't think it was personal at all with Craig. Mm-hmm. I, they loved him and they thought he was tremendous and everybody loved him and he was professional and, you know, yeah. a very gifted actor. I was curious because I think that the role that you played, you see so much about you know, method acting, and I'm not sure if you are a method actor, but in terms of... What is your understanding of method acting? I guess my understanding is, I guess we could go back to like Heath Ledger and how he Mm -hmm. played the Joker. And Mm -hmm. that role was a role that was so intense and Mm -hmm. so like demonic almost that he would take the role home with him to completely stay in character Mm -hmm. at all times, start living his life accustomed to Mm -hmm. how that character would live you know, when you're not filming, but you'd go home and still try to stay in character to mm-hmm. really understand and develop that that's role. Right. Yeah. So I guess that's my understanding of it. Right. So I'm wondering. So you think you, that I ran around, you no, know, you know, getting not, no, no, <laughs> pushing no. people in front of railway cars? No, no, no. My <laughs> angle, my question is more. You know, how did it impact you on a daily level of, you know, having to step into that role for nine? It's a terrific seasons. question. How did and you I don't think that? it's been asked enough. Honestly, for actors who play these sound parts, it's a two-part answer. One is I'm not a method actor in that way. Um, my feeling about acting is that there is no particular technique mm-hmm. that is the best. For me, there's an amalgamation of things that work, and it is particular to the the role. So a role like Dan, um, there are definitely moments when I'm on the set or around the younger actors that I'm particularly involved with that I tried for the first couple of years to not um, get too close to. Mm-hmm. Because what would happen is the familiarity would breed a relaxed personality on in the characters, which I didn't want, I didn't think it would service me. Right. So what I wanted was a little bit of standoffishness. And that wasn't mean or anything, it was just that I didn't always invite myself to things that they were doing or show up at dinners they did all the time. It depended on who was there and who I was relating to mostly on the show. So I think those things are true in that regard. But that wasn't anything other than the fact that I needed um, a quiet power. And a lot of times for this character, the way that my, the, my technique would work with this is that I chose how to approach each scene for my character was to say, it's the opposite of what you can imagine. Everyone's kind of shocked when I say this. I chose that my character did the things he did that would be considered um, sociopathic. It's <laughs> the best way to say it. On love. Everything was based on love. That I loved my sons, well, my one son particularly, so much that I would kill for him. I loved my son so much. Like, what parent wouldn't? Mm-hmm. Like, I loved my son so much that I would stack the dice in his favor. I loved my son so much that I would do whatever it takes for him to succeed. Now, that's a certain kind of love. It's, right. a, it's not a healthy love. It's not something that I do in my real life. But for that character, that's the only way that I could justify my behavior. I couldn't just do it because a one-dimensional character is like, you know, twirling his mustache and, ha I'm evil. And audiences will become very bored and very uninterested in that. Yeah. You have to pack it into a real, a real point. What's the point? What are you doing it for? Mm-hmm. So that was what the work was on that end. But the second part of this question is that in my personal life, the bleed over from this character was, and you may have heard the story before, I was actually, I have had people on airplanes move their seats to get away from me. Uh, there was a 14 or 15 year old girl once on a flight from North Carolina that started crying and the stewardess came over and they were looking at me and they're looking at me wow. and they moved her out of, I was up in business class, whatever, moved her in the back of the plane to get away from me. And I was like, well, what happened? She goes, are you an actor? I said, yeah. She goes, well, she, she's very scared of you. And I was like, 
do you want me to move in the back? I'll move. Don't tell. I feel too. She goes, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's like, but she's afraid of your character. And I was like shocked. Right. And then there was one time in New York, which is kind of a famous story. So Sophia Bush tells it sometimes where I was getting out of a taxi and this woman was about to get in and she looked at me and she swung her purse at me. And it was apparently full of nickels because it knocked me on my ass. Oh, my um, God. Little creative license on that. But I, I looked, I said, what are you doing? She's like, I know what you're doing to that young boy and it ain't right. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Lucas is a good boy. He's a good boy. And I'm like, are you talking about my fictional son? Yes, he <laughs> is a good boy. I'm an actor. I don't have a son. I'm an actor. And she was just like screaming That's at me. Insane. He's a good boy. You leave him alone. And I was like, and then the taxi drove off and I'm sitting in a puddle in New York going, this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. So That is insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So kind of along those lines, One Tree Hill was filmed in a time where, you know, we were just scratching the surface of talking about mental health issues and, you know, acknowledging mental mm. health issues. What was your experience playing that character and like you said, you had experiences where fans or people would, you know, not want to sit next to you on a plane mm. or, you know, the character you played, I'm sure it did get in your head at times of, you know, affecting you mentally. Yeah, so yeah. what what was your mental health like at that time? It was awful. Um, I was um, I've never spoken about this before on anything before. So I'm happy to bring it up because, as you said, um, awareness is power. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I was deeply depressed and I was drinking. And as you can see over the series, um, I bec I'm from, you know, lean superstar basketball body to a guy that looks like he ate Dan Scott and I'm literally, you know, waddling my way into the wardrobe uh, going, is this really the right shirt? And uh, just, you know, and I was because I was drinking a, a couple of bottles of wine a night by myself in my apartment or my, my house and sitting at the piano, you know, trying to like kind of like figure out my life. But I was too depressed to write. And mm -hmm. I was right before that show, I directed a film that I was very proud of and had been writing a lot of scripts. And for about six or seven years, um, it was really tough. Um, you know, it was uh, just a time when I think that I was absorbing the energy of, of the people that were looking at me and, and seeing me and seeing me as something as bad yeah. and not good. And I'm an actor, you know, I'm, I'm thin skinned, I'm sensitive, I'm vulnerable to criticism. Um, I hurt a lot mm -hmm. when I'm when I read things on the internet I actually cry sometimes I can't take it yeah. so I stay away from certain types of media that I think would be too critical because I'm not built to hear that kind of stuff because I live off of you know my my love for the people that I love mm -hmm. and I'm very close to like as you said like Craig and the people I'm, I'm, I'm with so I want it to be you know I'm just too sensitive so I, yeah, and so I had to, I absorbed a lot of that. And to get out of it was honestly, the way to do it was, um, the show had to end for me. Um, I was actually grateful when it ended because it ran its full course and it was time for it to end. But I needed to to get out and get um, other characters and feel other things. But then it was getting bad guy roles again yeah. because of that show. It, it, put, it put me in a It box. put you on people's radar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. It, it all kind of like, I think, you know, burying both your parents and I had a kid and... You know, now I've fallen in love and everything kind of like changes and you you have to climb back up the ladder, you know, and I think it takes time. But you need support and you need to be aware that you're depressed. Be, you, people don't know when they're depressed. Right. You stop working out. You, you stop returning phone calls. Mm -hmm. You sleep in. Yep. There's signs. It's not laziness. It's your brain is like it's beat up. Yeah. Do you feel like there was any 
aid from the show? Did the show have any understanding of what this role was doing to you mentally? Did they provide you with help? Did they even think about that as something you might need as a actor in a really hard role to portray? It's a really, really simple question. Never, nothing, zero. We can't rely on the suits or the studios or anybody else to come and check in on us. Actors have to do that for each other. Mm -hmm. That's what we do. We love each other. We work together. We, I'm going to tell you all of my darkest secrets through my work. And, I'm, and if you let me fall down on my face, I'm going to fall on my face. Right. If you catch me, I'll catch you. We have to be that for each other. Yeah. You know? I guess that's why in all the acting classes you take, when you take like group classes, that's why they always have so many trust exercises. Mm -hmm. And I know. think that's a great point. Yeah. yeah. And that's probably why us at One Tree Hill on that particular show. Mm -hmm. um, I will tell you as a guest star, it's nothing. <laughs> Forget it. Mm -hmm. It's just not going to happen. Uh, because I remember certain shows that I've done where you're just like not even allowed to eat with the main cast. <laughs> it's pretty brutal. Um, but on One Tree Hill, we were very accommodating to guests and very close with each other. We're still on group texts right now, all of us, 10 years later, like all the time. It's very sweet. Yeah. We were all there for each other in that regard, yeah. I think that's beautiful and, again, why the yeah. show lives on. So we talked a lot about your character already, we so we're going to move past that okay. now. So I want to talk about your career now. Sure. I know you don't like me to date things, so. <laughs> the final episode of One Tree Hill was in... Yes. Whatever. 2011? It was 2012. Was it 2012? It was 2012. Okay. So can you tell me what you've been up to since then? You have a 12-year-old. You... I do. Are in other... You're a writer. You're a I director. Am. You I do am. so many other things. So tell I me am. a bit about your career now. Uh, I've cured cancer. Um, <laughs> I'm about to climb Everest this weekend without oxygen. Um, <laughs> no. What so have I done? Here. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I was still... Um, I think once One Tree Hill ended and uh, I'd lost my mother and I had just had a child and my father was quite ill. So I was going through a lot of kind of like 10 years of being away from my real life. Uh, I just needed uh, some time to kind of reconnect with. I came back to Hollywood. Mm -hmm. I was in North Carolina for 10 years, came back to Hollywood. The whole industry changed. What are streamers? Yeah. What's this new thing called Netflix? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden we're back and the whole industry's changed. Um, and to be quite honest with you, although there's a lot of fans of Winter Hill, nobody cared. Where have you been? North Carolina doing a show. Oh yeah, great. Anyway, see the Lakers play last night? Like nobody cared. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a Hollywood, you know, big hit. Yep. It was an American story about regular American people that Americans loved, but yeah. Hollywood didn't care. And that's the truth. So when I came back here, it didn't have the power to get me my own series. I didn't have the power to like, you know, I got jobs. I was, did final few episodes of Mad Men, did a bunch of movies, um, started you know, rekindling friendships with people in the industry that I wanted to be in business with, particularly writers, directors, things like that. And I wanted to put out my own stories and tell my own stories. And I directed quite a few episodes of One Tree Hill. Um, and so I was, uh, you know, back in the director's chair, I directed some shows for Netflix in Canada and Vancouver and, um, and, and rekindled those relationships because I'm Canadian and American. And, um, and then, you know, and being a father was really uh, the biggest thing in my life, you know, because I was ill-equipped for it. I had a very 
traumatic and odd, very strange childhood. Right. So I was kind of like, oh, this will be interesting. <laughs> what kind of a human am I going to create here? Mm-hmm. So there was that. And um, that worked out really well, though. Very proud of him. I think what I'm going to do is I'm not going to rush. Um, I brought a lot of things. I mean, I yeah. literally brought different projects almost every day to help produce or help finance. I'm in that end of the game right now quite a bit. And I'm still acting. I have, I did like, um, I think I did 10 films in 14 months. Wow. And so I've been working a lot as an actor. I think what that is, is a testament to the fact that, you know, um, I've gotten better. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not one of those people that has plateaued. I've constantly challenging myself and taking, taking big chances with each character that I play to do something different and to bring and to really work it before I get to the set. I'm done. When I get to the set, I'm ready to shoot. I'm not there to like yeah. practice. I've done that. You're ready. I'm ready. I, I, I think it's just, it's like I go to work to work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a hundred percent understood what my objectives are. And then I work with the director to try to, you know, um, you know, ferment those with his concepts and, and integrate those ideas to work alongside him. But I really want to come fully prepared. So as I said, you know, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm really busy, but, um, I'm balancing my life now. Enjoying life. Yeah. Love, work, you know, time and some, you know, and some important time to sort of reconnect to all the lost time. And this is sound crazy, but 10 years on a series, man, you kind of, you kind of lose your soul. Yeah. You really do. That's, that's part of the, as you said, the mental health issue yeah. that I didn't realize I was deep into mm-hmm. at the time. So I did get therapy after that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's hard and it makes me in a way feel guilty because as again, a huge fan of the show, it almost makes me feel guilty that I'm like, <laughs> I love you. I love One Tree Hill because I know, you know, from talking to you yeah. and talking to Craig, I can tell yeah. that it was really hard for you guys. Well, I think it was even harder on some of the younger ones. I mean, I think some of the girls had, you know, all sorts of things that a lot of us weren't aware of. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's just, it, that's the thing. It's like, you know, the world compartmentalized. You know, we each have our own issues. And we think those are the only issues. We don't know other people are suffering with us. Yeah. Which might have been good, you know, to have sit-downs where we all kind of share what's going on with each other. I think maybe on the next show I do, I would hope I would put together a little, you know, times where we could do little sort of like check-in groups. Yeah. That it's might so not be important. a bad idea. I would. That would be amazing. I think... Yeah. Cass would love that. I think it would just yeah. create a better environment for everyone. Absolutely. So all of this being said. Oh, here we go. The big question. This is the big question. <laughs> There's no big question. While many people might remember you as Dan Scott forever, when you are no longer here, how do you, Paul Johansson, want to be remembered? Really? Yes. You think that I'm going to like some, some <laughs> I've, I've like sat and thought for years on what am I going to I need say? to know how you want to be remembered. Well, I know this is going to sound a little bit like I'm ungrateful, but it's not meant to be. I am eternally grateful, and I'm grateful to my my fans, and I'm grateful to my castmates, I'm grateful to my writers, and I'm grateful to my family, and I'm grateful to my my you know my God. But I'm not sure that I really matter. I'm not really sure that I need to matter. I really don't. I think what I am is the, if you take all of the moments that I have with the people that I love and those people that you know that I love and that I'm close to, they will go, oh, remember when Paul did that? Those are the moments that matter. Mm-hmm. That what I had, the effect I had on people, not that I'm remembered particularly for anything special about me, but for my moments with the people that I love. And yeah. I think that is going to be my, hopefully, if I could leave a gift, 
it would be that they would smile when they thought of something I did with them or for them or or that we laughed or we you know did something together that was that was meaningful. I really don't think I am really worth an answer in that regard in that way. I think you are. So now before we end our episode, Uh-oh. I do this thing every time when I finish an episode because I love music so much okay. and I like to incorporate music into the podcast. So I do this segment. It's called Alpies 3. I basically have my guests pick three songs that we add to a playlist at the end and it's kind of just there for people to listen to. So we basically just oh. keep adding songs. So what three songs remind you most of your time on One Tree Hill? Um, and it doesn't have to be from One Tree Hill, just maybe music you were listening okay. to at the time, whatever. Empty, Ray LaMontagne. Love Ray LaMontagne. Empty. Okay. Do you know the song? No, but I love him. It's spectacular. Okay. And that's how I felt as Dan. The second song is uh, uh, Row, Leaving Something Behind. You know this song? Mm -mm. This was the first name is Kevin Row, I think. I think it's Row. But it's called Just Trying to Leave Something Behind. It's the the guy, he did the soundtrack to The Accountant with Ben Stiller. Mm. Great song, beautiful Mm. song. And the last one I would put is, um, I'm going to go with some old school here. Do it. I am, I said. I am, I said. To no one there. <laughs> I'm going to listen to it. I'm excited. Okay. Okay, so that is our three songs Those for Alpies 3. three. Yep. Paul, I cannot begin to thank you enough. Thank Truly, you this is a moment for me that just feels very surreal. And it's not because, you know, I'm like a fan excited to meet you. I think it's more that all I could have ever dreamed of is having an intimate conversation thank with you. members from a show that has really helped me and you know, gotten me through a lot of times. So thank you so much for joining me this week. Everyone who's listening, please tune in next week. We will have another very special guest for you guys. I can't wait. Thank you for listening. And I will see you next week. Goodbye. (laughs)